Drinking From Water podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rutke. In this series of podcasts, we will speak to those who understand the aesthetic of water. Today, we have Scott Harrison of Newcastle, Australia. Scott is an amazing, acclaimed, world-class photographer with incredible insight, passion, and knowledge. He is extremely motivational. If you like this podcast, push the subscribe button and give us a thumbs up. All right, let's go check him out. Scott, welcome. Hey, brother, how are you? Thank you very much. That's very kind, very kind words. <laughs> well, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. I've been following you for a long time, and uh, your, your work is awesome. The, the things you do with the camera are simply uh, amazing. Uh, but before we get into your technique and, and what new you have going on, um, break down Newcastle, Australia, for those of us who have not been there before. Uh, personally, I was lucky enough to visit Newcastle in 2002, and it yeah. just left a big, big impression on myself and my heart, and uh, I simply love the place. So uh, if you could let us know what it is like to, to be in such an epic surf location. Yeah, man, 100%. Like, yeah, so I grew up in Newcastle. Um, I spent 10 years away in Sydney um, in my 20s, but obviously, like, moved back here now. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like we're two hours from like Sydney. So like we're close to like a big city, but it's just basically like a big coastal town. Um, there's obviously a lot of like little spotted coastal towns along the Australian coastline. Newcastle's bigger than that. Um, and, but yeah, just, it's a, it's a beach town. It's a lifestyle town. It's um, we've got, you know, amazing food, um, like all sorts of stuff going on here, but ultimately, yeah, it's like a, it's an outdoor lifestyle kind of town. And um, yeah, we're super lucky with waves. Like I've literally within, you know, two minutes drive from a house, I've got like a selection of waves to choose from every day. So it's, um, yeah, it's very lucky to live here. Beautiful. So one thing that really made an impression on me when I visited Newcastle was how the beaches are set up. You have little nooks and crannies with headlands that stick out. Um, can, can you tell me more or tell us more about that and how that works with maybe one day the swells coming from one direction, you have to go to a certain beach to get it just right. Yeah, 100%. It's very much like that. So, um, I mean, like the main beaches that people would know about, like the Merryweathers and everything are sort of all along like a similar stretch. Um, so that's like very much like a, you know, like a northeast swell direction that you kind of want there. But yeah, the further you get around, um, we've got like little headlands and everything and like little different directions. So you get around to an area called like Nobby's Beach, um, which is a slightly different direction. So it can take a different swell, different wind. Um, and then you can literally just jump over like a break wall to this other side of this area called Stockton. So when the winds are like, you know, southerly and like not working on the main beaches here, like literally 10 minutes away, you've got a beach that's offshore. Um, and then we're like an hour away from a place called Nelson Bay, which is like just epic again. It has all sorts of little like different breaks. So yeah, really within like, you know, an hour of where we are, but like even in my area within like 10 minutes of where I am, there's a lot of different, a lot of different options um yeah so yeah we're, we're definitely super lucky in that regard and it helps as well from a i mean we'll get into the photography stuff but because of those different headlands and stuff it like it really helps with like getting angles and that kind of thing there's a lot of different like really cool vantage points that aren't just shooting straight on from the beach um and that's like super like that's my preference when i'm shooting is to try and like you know get different angles and get a bit of land like even in the shot as well so um yeah we've definitely got that for sure super incredible and i've seen a lot of that in your work um yeah so is um, 
is Newcastle kind of one of the premier spots on the uh, east coast of Australia? What what is around Newcastle? Yeah, I mean, I guess like I guess it depends when when you're from here. It is 100, percent but I'm sure there's a lot of amazing beaches along the coastline of uh, New South Wales that would claim the same thing. So what um, is, well, you stick to to Newcastle. As far as like myself, yes. Um, so I would shoot in Newcastle predominantly just because you know I've like you know got other things here so i'll just go out most mornings locally um but you know as i said there's other spots kind of within north and south about an hour like that i would travel pretty regularly because you could still like get up early like you could do an hour drive for like sunrise and still be back to do other things for the day um and then from a like venturing out point of view i really like the south coast of um new south wales so you get down to sort of like areas like down past wollongong down sort of Kiamaway, like down that sort of area like i love the both the waves, but also the, um, like the scenery and everything down there. Um, like it was interesting how you mentioned the Newcastle beaches. So a lot of our beaches in Newcastle, like they're amazing beaches, but they're built up with like, there's a lot of like bars and surf clubs and stuff that are on like the shoreline. And like the further you get down the South coast, you kind of get that more like remote, rugged kind of shoreline. So like you're shooting waves with maybe like just a cliff backdrop or just like rugged grass kind of thing. And I really like that style as well, rather than necessarily like the built up areas that we have here so yeah it's definitely good to mix it up and get away but we're just we're so blessed here with so many breaks it's like you know pretty much in most conditions you can find you can find something yeah in what time of the year do you really throth and and get excited like literally coming into like right now like um our autumn or fall is like really the time that i i mean obviously like winter's great everywhere but like this next kind of like three months is kind of it's the time where like the offshores start to turn around um like if you want to go like it depends whether you're shooting in the water or not but like it's that time when like the temperature the outside temperature drops but the water's still super warm um and yeah you start to get like a bit of color in the sky in the mornings it's like yeah so that real for us that sort of like april may into june is like premium conditions um and then if you get lucky in winter you can get some nice like big exciting swells um but for like yeah that nice offshore conditions yeah autumn's really good so so, so how big does it get? Oh, look, it, it can vary. I mean, like probably in the, like the local beaches here, anything up to sort of your like eight foot range is probably where you could get a nice like offshore breeze and like shape. Um, it gets big here, but a lot of the big swells come through here as like southerly swells. So often it's messy. So if you're ever seeing anything like 10 foot plus on the forecast, it's pretty rare that it's clean and surfable um it can be fun to like watch and there's a few guys like around town that'll still go out and have a crack um we had a really good day um every now it seems to happen every few years we get like a sort of an east coast low come through and um i think it was like around may last year um if i'm correct that yeah we had a day here that was just epic like you've probably seen like some of the photos that, like i posted from it but there was just like one saturday that it was like over 10 foot but it was just perfect barreling um like offshore yeah and guys were towing in and yeah but that happens pretty rarely maybe there's a day like that like three years before that um but yeah anything anything up to sort of like the you know six to eight foot range you can get really good days like yeah so anything from even waist high to you know three times overhead newcastle can support with its bottom oh yeah definitely yeah 100 percent. yeah it's just that when it gets yeah when it gets 10 foot plus it's just got to, every, all the other things have got to like the swell direction and everything's got to come into play but um if it comes into play yeah there's some iconic photos of like newcastle over the years like even 
well before my time of shooting of like some really like solid clean you know yeah good sir incredible so scott can you tell us how you got into surf photography what what did you do beforehand did you always know you wanted to be a surf photographer what's kind of the lineage of your entry into this world yeah no it's a really like interesting one like there's kind of this you know um like growing up one of you there's like no reason for me to be doing like what i'm doing apart from like the surf related stuff like i've always lived like grown up and always lived across the road from the beach um i was a bodyboarder growing up as opposed to a surfer specifically but yeah it was always like at the beach and like you know like riding waves and some kind um yeah and then um career-wise like i when I, I went to university to study marketing um and was working in media so i was working in radio and tv um advertising and marketing Where did you um, so nothing to do with sorry where did you go to school? Uh, Newcastle University. Yeah, yeah, so the university here. So yeah, I grew up here. Um, and then when I was about 20, 24 maybe, or maybe earlier, I went, moved down to Sydney um, and worked for 10 years in Sydney in, yeah, in media sales. So um, completely like living in a apartment, like in the middle of the city, like nowhere near a beach, like lived a completely different, you know, like city kind of party, you know, working in media lifestyle um and then yeah both me and my wife just missed the coast and missed the beach too much so we came back um i'd always like had a camera like we traveled overseas a lot um and so i was always sort of taking photos but it was never something that i ever thought was a thing um and then yeah the catalyst from it was we like moved back from sydney to newcastle and then we made a plan that we wanted to go and travel in asia for a year and just kind of like reassess you know what we're doing in life she was a school teacher and was getting a bit sick of it i was kind of over what i was doing so um yeah, we took off for a year and then um, when we came back, we kind of made a decision while we we're away, like that I said, I'm going to try photography and see how I go. And she tra- changed her career path. And we both kind of thought, well, we're still pretty employable if it doesn't work out. So let's just give it a crack and see what happens. And that was like five years ago now and we're still going. So, it, um, yeah, so the, the beach has always been like a massive part of my life. But the photography thing, I really don't know where it came from. Like, I don't, you know. Like there's no photographers in my family. Like I didn't have any friends when I picked up a camera the first time that were photographers. Like I didn't know like anyone in the community. And so that was just a, um, probably like one of the things that I really like about it as well. Cause I guess it's like, it was probably like the first thing that I ever did that probably didn't have any external influence. So for that reason, I knew it was just something personal that I wanted to do. Um, yeah. And just when I moved back to Newcastle, um, I still remember the day actually. So we moved back to Newcastle in 24 April 2014 and um one of the first mornings we woke up in our house in Merriweather where I still live now um near the beach and just saw this like red glow like shining through like the window and like looked outside and there was this amazing sunrise and like me and my wife both like jumped in the car because we were finally living on the beach again jumped in the car like raced like we're only like a minute away from the beach raced down there there's this amazing sunrise I just started like snapping photos and um it was just this whole buzz and this feeling that I got and literally from that day I just said I'm just gonna keep doing this every day and you know hopefully get better and better and so yeah that's what i'm still doing so epic so incredible yeah so what you had the camera and yeah what, what got you to buy the camera before the sunrise um just traveling like so i think i had like a really early like just a canon eos dslr just like a 450d or something just an entry level one like um it's funny now because like I, I teach photography now and a lot of you know people that when they're starting it they kind of think that the camera like means more than the knowledge of the camera kind of thing you know what I mean so I was the same I was like just traveling a bit and I just would have had like a little point and shoot and then at one point I'm like oh if I buy one of these DSLRs I'll have better travel photos 
like still shooting on auto and having no idea like what I was doing. So it was literally just that. So I had this Canon camera. I went and took these shots on auto, but it was just once I started to go every day and started to get into the whole concept of it, then I guess I probably started watching YouTube videos and stuff and then, you know, started like seeking out people for lessons and that kind of thing and just evolved into the learning how to use the camera properly. But I think it was just the inspiration of like the coast, the ocean, the sunrise, all that kind of stuff that got me into it in the first place. So those elements got you interested. And then how did you teach yourself? You said YouTube, you've reached out to people. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, mostly YouTube. Um, I went and um, funnily enough, the only time I've ever had a lesson is from a, um, a landscape photographer. There's a guy called William Patino who's quite well known on uh, Instagram. A lot of people probably know him just as a landscape photographer. He lived on the South Coast um, of Australia at the time. He's in New Zealand now. Um, I just loved his work. Um, when I was starting in photography, like everyone, I was shooting some landscape, I was shooting some like waves, it kind of hadn't evolved in that way. So I thought he was good, I'll go and learn from him. Um, went out and did a couple of sunrise shoots with him and he essentially just told me how to use the camera to manipulate the light, like taught me like the sort of manual settings and how it worked. Um, yeah, and then from there, it just kind of evolved, but so much of it was just trial and error. Like that's the, the biggest thing I've always kind of told people. It's like most of my learning has been from just going every day, trying, coming home, looking at the photos on the computer, seeing what's wrong with them, like, you know, learning like what shutter speeds to use is just completely from like, you know, a whole bunch of days of coming home and like the waves are blurry because you didn't use a fast enough shutter speed and then just evolving it from there. But yeah, like my, um, yeah, just basically my, the amount of times that I just like went out and just went, you know, I'm just going to take photos in any conditions. It doesn't matter. Like I'm not going to look at what the conditions are going to be like. I'm just going to go um, that that was kind of the main sort of learning. And then, yeah, if I wanted to, you know, work out what the problem was, I just, yeah, YouTube something. And there's always a, it's always an answer on there. So, yeah. So hopefully that kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great advice. How, you know, a lot of um, uh, people might think that you, you don't take so many photos. How many photos do you take before you're like, that's the diamond, that's the gem? Um, is yeah, there oh, I take, I, yeah, I take heaps of photos. It's really funny because I got into um, because I've got into photography like, you know, a bit later. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of like, I've only been into it in a real digital sense. Um, there's a lot of people I've sort of met over time that sort of were doing film for like I've never done film photography. I wasn't sort of doing it like at that time, and so I guess there's a lot more of a you know getting it right in a sooner amount. Like my method just from the start has always just been just take as many photos as possible to like learn from it. Um, so probably now I don't necessarily need to take as many, um, but like I'll still go out in the morning and like shoot a thousand photos, no worries, you know what I mean? And come home and probably like one of them or one sequence, you know what I mean? <laughs> unless you get like a really good day, then sometimes you have a whole batch of them that you can keep going back to. Um, but the thing with surf photography is so much of it when you're dealing with waves, cause you're dealing with this moving subject that you can't, necessarily like you can't control how it's going to look right so so much of it is using the like 10 frames a second on your camera to shoot and then capture like a random moment that might occur um and then the control part for me is just like composition so rather than sitting there and going i'm going to take one photo this morning i'll just think about composition light angles direction all that kind of stuff and then just shoot a whole bunch of photos so you'll um, sit in a spot with the composition just right and not move from that spot and then wait for that wave to be just at the right spot is that yeah well twofold twofold like yeah um that what you're saying exactly like i'll find a spot like if i can kind of see 
something happening, I'll definitely find an angle that I want and just like be patient enough until like, you know, the right wave happens or the right bit of like, I shoot a lot of backwash. So that's one of those ones that's like, you know, you can go out for like three or four hours and literally like one, one backwash will occur the whole time. So that's definitely a patience game. Um, but then on the flip side of that, I also like to change like composition a lot as well during a session. That's why I don't really like shooting on a tripod because I find it can kind of like hold you in the same position for like too long. So um, yeah, like it's kind of like once I've got a shot from a certain angle that I kind of like, I'll test another one and test another one. Um, yeah, and I really like shooting into light, which is like quite difficult at times sometimes to either like get focus or exposure. Um, so a lot of that comes with trial and error of just like slightly different angles, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of that with your work, the shooting from light. I've also seen a lot with the composition. So you yep. wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. you're driving to your, your destination. Do you kind of then gather what it is you want to do in that regard? Or does it kind of come to you in the moment or what is, what is your process there? Yeah, it's a bit of both. I mean, not like knowing the area, there's definitely like over time and experience, there's definitely like, compositions and shots that you know are like good go-tos you know what I mean like if you know what the kind of swell conditions are going to be like there's definitely spots you can go to and go I know that I've got a you know or I've wanted to get a good shot from here one of the biggest things but that I probably learned in that um that lesson that I was telling you about with the landscape photographer um the first thing he taught me was like we met at the beach like an hour before sunrise and the very first thing he ever taught me which is probably the most important one is like just get here early and just sit you know sit back and just assess and see what's going on because every day is going to be different like especially with waves the swell direction is going to be slightly different so the same composition as yesterday isn't going to work today so it's like get there early in the dark like watch the light come up just like look around you like that's one of the biggest things as well it's not just finding a spot and looking forward it's like well what's behind you is there something you could shoot through is there something you could put in the foreground is there like you know what i mean like yeah and then kind of getting that ready to go and then having that moment of like light because really like depending on unless the clouds are holding back the light like if you've got like a sunny morning there's really a window of about 20 minutes of light that i actually like shooting in um so after that the sun gets like a little bit higher or it gets a bit too blown out so yeah like the probably the getting there early would be the biggest like advice that's what it is and it's the biggest thing that i kind of focus on just to make sure there's no um you're not rushing you're not panicking like you, you can imagine if you were even if you're a landscape photographer and there's a really amazing like pink sky with lots of clouds in the morning, like if you're getting there and that's already happening, then all you're doing is just, you go into this state and you run into a position and you just start snapping photos and there's no like mindfulness in it at all. You're not actually thinking about anything. So by getting there early, you've got heaps of time to just kind of breathe, have a look around, work out what's going on and then be ready to go kind of when that, when that light happens. I see um, you also shoot water. Is there ever a debate between, I, I know from my own work, it's kind of, I need to decide in the morning, am I doing this yeah. or that? You, you know, there's no yeah. both. Um, how yeah. does that work with you? Um, weirdly enough for me, it probably just depends on like either the size or the quality like of the swell. Um, like I prefer to shoot from land from a photographic point of view, just because of the style of photography that I like. Um, so but by doing that to have like a, like what I'd call like a surfscape type of image. So like a wave that's like the subject, but with background in it with, you know, maybe a cliff or something like that. So it's a bit of a wider angle shot um, for something like that. You need somewhat decent size. So it actually is a significant like feature, like in the image. 
Um, so if it's a, like a perfect offshore day, but it's only going to be like two or three foot, then I'll probably plan to shoot in the water just because I know it's not going to be big enough to really like, you know, be a subject in a photo. Um, but anytime it's, yeah, it's over kind of like four, five, six foot, like I'm always first case, like thinking of shooting from land um, just because it's the style like of photography that I kind of like. So, um, and if it's, if it's not, if the wet, like if it's just not great conditions, but um, I still want to go out, then I'll just go and swim because like usually when you're in the water, you can get weird little things that happen. Like, you know, you can get just surface shots or weird little things, you know what I mean? Stuff that you couldn't shoot from land at that point. So um, that's usually when I'll, like plan to shoot in the water. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent advice on both fronts. Uh, with um, equipment in mind, what, what kind of advice can you give us there? Um, in terms of? Uh, are you um, a, a Canon guy? Are you a Nikon guy? What is, what is your water housing? What, what are the, uh, what's the nature? Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So from a, um, I mean, it's like, you know, that, you know, the people that kind of say like, you know, equipment doesn't matter are always the ones that have like the best equipment, you know what I mean? So it can in certain regards. Um, like first things I would say always, but are like composition and light and all that sort of stuff that was spoken about previously, like they're, they're, they're number one. Um, and then really it's just about working out what you like to shoot. So a perfect example is like, I've always just had Canon cameras just because the first one I ever bought was a Canon. Um, so then I bought a Canon 7D Mark II and a Canon 5D Mark III as I was starting to do work. Um, with my photography and I didn't know kind of any different and there I mean all cameras are amazing like these days but the one interesting thing in the last probably 12 months was I um, started getting into video work for my like business side of things um, so I bought a Sony a7 III because um, it was just kind of reviewing really well like as far as video went and so I had this intention that that would be my video camera and then my Canon would be my um, surf photography camera and I took the Sony out like a few times. And so it's the a7 III is the one that's still only like a 24 megapixel. It's not one of the super 50, 60 megapixel ones. Um, and I took it out to shoot in the morning. And I started to notice that the ISO on it was just incredible. So basically my biggest challenge as a surf photographer going out early morning is I'm shooting a fast moving subject, but trying to freeze motion. So it doesn't kind of go together. Like most landscape photographers go out early morning, they'll just put the camera on a tripod and shoot a 30 second exposure and it's fine for non-moving objects. So like being a surf photographer in the morning, you're always trying to use a fast shutter speed in low light, which is, you know, doesn't suit a lot of cameras. So that's where you have to use things like ISO and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and then the ISO on this camera was just incredible. So I was finding I could go out in the morning like 20 minutes before the sun come up and I could be shooting like one one thousandth of a second shutter speed at like ISOs of like, 4,000, 5,000 ISO on it and coming home on the computer and it was just a perfectly like clean image, like not having to like do anything to it. So that's when I kind of looked at that and went, well, this camera specifically suits me. It's like, it shoots 10 frames a second. So it's good for like, you know, action, but also because of that ISO capability on it, I can shoot the subject I want at that time of day. You know what I mean? Um, but if you're shooting like in the middle, of, like a lot of people don't like getting up in the morning. You know what I mean? If you just want to shoot surfing, like in the middle of the day, then you don't need that capability. So there might be something else in another camera that you like better, or, you know, you might like the colors out of them or something like that better. If you're a landscape photographer, obviously the high ISO doesn't matter at all. So um, yeah, it's definitely like working out what's suited to you. But yeah, the biggest part about that for me was because I'd never really looked into the, these high megapixel cameras, but what I've learned from them is the trade-off with having like a 60 megapixel camera is the ISO in those cameras is actually not very good. It's like, it's definitely a trade-off. So it's not just about going, oh, what's the newest and greatest 
thing, what has the most megapixels so I can blow this up like the size of a billboard. It's like, well, what are you actually gonna use the photos for? And then what's the best camera that's gonna suit like the conditions that you shoot with, so yeah. So in that regard, um, the use, the purpose, what can you, yeah. what kind of uh, advice can you give people to um, the, the end point with the work that you create? What are the different avenues that you see as, as an artist? Me personally? So yes. I do like, yeah, so I, I sell prints, um, but it's just so basically as a, so I guess probably it's easier as a photographer, all of my income comes from like, not like ocean photography. That's like my passion side of it. So like I shoot like brand photography for um, like, you know, yoga studios, Pilates studios, gyms, that kind of stuff. Um, people that, you know, need personal brand photography for their websites. Like, so all of my money basically comes from shooting people or things. Um, that's my daily, I guess, job as a photographer um so the from the surf point of view like i sell print so there's a the one factor i guess is like having an image that will resolute well enough to sell as a print um but most people don't like unless you're a like a you know you've got an art gallery kind of thing like most people aren't selling prints on the regular that are like over a meter wide kind of thing so any of these 24 megapixel cameras can handle that like perfectly well so i'd only be concerned probably about having like 50 megapixels if i was selling gigantic like prints and needed the resolution in them um although some of the new software coming out now is going to solve that i think anyway apparently through photoshop so that's all good um and other than that like my my instagram is essentially um my like business card kind of thing like all of my work comes through Instagram, well, 90% of my work comes through Instagram um, and then a few like Google searches kind of thing. But I've got like my website, but way more of my work comes through um, social media than anything else. So um, in that regard, I really only need to be taking surf photos that look good on a phone screen um, because then that ultimately becomes somewhere where people find my work and then they ask me to, it seems to just translate, they ask me to do like other things as well. So how do you use the Instagram to drive business to your um, other, other facets? Um, so I've got so I've got two accounts. So I do have a an, an Instagram account called Daily Salt Lifestyle, which has my like branding imagery on it. Um, but through my my surf account, I have like you know a link through to that. But it's just it's quite interesting that um, people tend to kind of think that if you can photograph one thing, you can photograph all things. Which like you know it's not it's definitely not the case. But um, it's a good starting point. You know what I mean? So like the more I sort of build up. A following on that daily salt like surf photography account people will still find that and go oh hey can you shoot this and then i can kind of say yes or no you know what i mean and usually it's yes and i just like work it out <laughs> but um yeah it's interesting just how photography and like social media kind of translates it's definitely at least creates the first like contact point um where you can just work out what people want from there and the thing is living in newcastle like as i said it's a big small town so like newcastle is like all you know a couple of degrees of separation so um so much when i say it comes through social media so much of my work comes through doing a job for someone they post those images on their page and say you know here's some images i got done by scott from daily soul and then someone else sees that and then contacts you so there's a lot of referral like business um which i'm not 100 percent sure whether that would work as well like in a in a bigger city but definitely in newcastle it's like it's huge how do you handle uh self-criticism self-criticism yes so um you you uh you see your work you decide yeah. if it's good or bad internally before you put it out what is what is the process there 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like I do like, so outside of like photography, like a massive big, like, I guess, passion, hobby, whatever you want to call it of mine is like doing a lot of like mindset kind of study. Like I read everything I read, everything I like watch, like YouTube interviews on and stuff like that is generally around something to do with like mindset or someone who's like, you know, made a career out of something and what their kind of like strategy was doing that. So it's, it's definitely like evolved like over time, but I've like the belief that however it's happened over time that I've curated is more about um, like um, there's a YouTuber called Peter McKinnon who's got a statement called done is better than perfect. Um, and I've definitely like adopted that to a degree um, that it's just a matter of just putting like more content is better than like perfect content because it's just how, you know, you're going to learn the more stuff you put out there. I think it's like, there's another saying that's called like, perfection is the disguise for insecurity. So, you know, some people will be waiting for the perfect moment, but it's literally just they're too insecure to put anything out. So um, the main thing that I've tried to teach myself is just not to probably judge myself. It's interesting to like look back through your Instagram feed and see like an evolution, like along the way. Um, but ultimately photography and especially wave photography is like just for me anyway. So um, I've never been too self-critical as much as I've just been like, I just know that if I keep going, you know, hopefully I'll keep getting better and better. Um, but yeah, it's never really been like a thing where I've been like, you know, worried or paralyzed to put any work out there. Um, just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably just a personal thing. Like I don't judge any other people's work, so I don't judge my own either. So it probably comes from, from that kind of thing. Like I think if you're worried about your own work, then you're possibly judging externally as well. So um, yeah, and everyone's been super supportive. I mean, I guess that's, a bonus like the kind of especially in Newcastle but just in general the sort of surf ocean photography community everyone's like super supportive so I've never had any external reason to um feel insecure or judged about like what I've done you know what I mean I've never experienced like that so I guess maybe in the early days that might be interesting if like you know you had criticism externally before you got to a point where you're comfortable in what you do um, but it's all been super supportive so I think I've just naturally just grown with it Great, great advice. Excellent advice. So uh, where are you in your evolution as, as a surf photographer? Where do you feel you are? Oh, just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously like always, like always learning. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. Cause as I said, like my business is not like surf photography. So, I mean, I don't even know if that title like applies to me in terms of, you know, like surf photographers, I guess the people that are, you know, doing it like income based. It's just like, it's just my passion. Um, but I guess like one of the things that, like I've put a lot of, if, if we're gonna call it like a surf photographer, then like I've put a lot of time into it. So like anything, any, any images that I like do get now or any work that I put out now or any work, work that gets recognized, like, you know, for whatever reason, um, like I'm definitely like, comfortable with and proud of because I know the amount of time that I put into it um like I've done you know if there's if there's 365 days in a year like I'll see like 300 sunrises you know what I mean and I've like done that like day in day out for the last like five six years um and I've yeah like I guess we spoke about then like done it like non-judgmentally so just go out try it go home look at what it is go okay what can I do to improve that how can I fix that like it's definitely become this passion that I've just wanted to kind of get better and better at um, I've learned, like, dived right into, like, learning my camera, like, literally 
inside out to the point where in any conditions now, like that sort of stuff is like second nature. Like it's not like, I don't have to think about the camera part anymore. Um, so yeah, whatever conditions are in, like that part's become that. So I guess in that regard, like I feel very like comfortable, like, you know what I mean? So, you know, as far as where I'm at, like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, as long as you're personally like happy with what you're doing, then, you know, like I feel good. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say like in terms of, there's no external really like um, assessment of it because it's not like how I earn money. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And um, let's talk about your new ebook, uh, mm -hmm. The Guide to Surf and Wave Photography. So, yeah, cool. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it, it looks amazing. Can you tell us a little, a little bit more about it and kind of what uh, one might find in this book that would help them um, become a better surf photographer? For sure, yeah. It was, um, so it came about sort of really organically. I think I was watching a podcast one time and like there was a person that was talking about like if you really, if you really have knowledge of a subject, then like you should be able to explain it to someone in simple terms. Um, and it was just some random thing. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I was like, I wonder if I could like write down all the things that you just said then, like what I know about surf photography, like what, like, you know, if someone was to ask me how you do it, I wonder if I can articulate that um, in a way that makes sense. Um, and so I just started writing it as like a journal, basically. I was just like each day, I'd kind of like write a bit down and I'd be like, oh, could I explain this? Could I explain that? Um, and I got to the point where I'd like written like 50 pages of like notes. And I was like, you know what, this is actually kind of helpful now this is pretty interesting if I can kind of like nut this down and get rid of all my like waffle and you know over explanations and just fun get into the fundamentals this could actually um help people um I have been like I had been for like a year or so before that teaching photography like I've run learn photography workshops with groups of people I teach people like individually so it's not like that the concept of teaching someone photography was completely foreign um in terms of that it could be a thing that i could do but i was just teaching like intro stuff like you know you've got your camera here's what aperture is here's what shutter speed is here's how it all works together here's how you can go and take a photo um so i'd already been doing that so then once i started to put these surf photography notes down i was like this is actually way more specific to what i do and what other people probably that you know follow what i do or are interested in would really like um so yeah i just nutted it all down um and then just sent it to everyone and like a bunch of people that i knew like my wife and like mates and everything and just got them to read it and told me where i was like over explaining things and cut it down even shorter um and then yeah just decided to put it into an ebook um and put it out there and yeah it's been amazing it's been received really well and i think it's like it because i know i've done like i've been like a bit obsessive like i've done so much research over my like even though it's only been like five or six years since i've really been photographing like in that time like i've been hardcore like anything that you can find on like a google search on surf photography like i've read or watched or done any questions that needed to be like asked i've like met people along the way and asked them so it's always been this kind of obsessive thing so i'm like well i've kind of explored everything that's out there um and then i've utilized my own experience as well so if i can confine this down then it has to be you know it has to be helpful at least for someone you know like new or up until, you know, how long I've been doing it for kind of thing. So super yeah. epic, super epic. So um, you can find this book in the comments section of, uh, of, of this um, uh, YouTube podcast uh, below. Um, I'll be sure to put that in there. Um, I, 
I want to know a few more things before I let you go. What, where is it a one that you've been outside of Australia that you love the most first? Um, Bali, 100%. Um, and we're moving there as soon as we're allowed out of the country again. So really? like, up, yeah. still on moving out of Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, for maybe for like a year. Yeah, not forever, but yeah, we've still got our little dog here, so we won't leave it forever. But um, 100%, that's like top of the list because that's like, that's our like vision board and plan at the moment. We're actually already ready to go. It's just just that we're not allowed out of Australia. So <laughs> as soon as we're allowed out of the country, we're going to move to Bali. Um, so so tell us more one. about why Bali. Oh, I just love it there. I mean, like the, the culture, the people. Um, I mean, the, the surf like is amazing there as well. Um, there's like lots of different, you know, opportunities. But like one of the biggest things is like in our, in both of our businesses, we're like moving um, to have stuff like a lot more online, especially in my wife's business. Um, so we also want to go and like trial the concept of like being able to, you know, not be location dependent um, to be able to earn a living. Um, with the concept that then in years to come, you know, we might be able to live overseas three, six months a year, whatever it may be. Um, so Bali is kind of like the first test, but it's also just like the place where we just love and yeah, just love the vibe there. So, so, so um, epic. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, outside of Australia, like, I mean, Hawaii, like I went to the North Shore a couple of years ago to watch the Pipe Masters. Unfortunately, that's still on the list of places that I want to see like with good surf because I went to watch the Pipe Masters and there was like six lay days and like one day of the comp when I was there. Um, but just that whole atmosphere, like staying on the North Shore and just like walking up and down that stretch and seeing all of the breaks that you kind of just read about in magazines, like, you know, during your life growing up and stuff like that. There's just something like spiritually like amazing about like being over there. Um, it's incredible. But um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. Oh, and like, and New Zealand. Not that it's that far for us, but New Zealand's amazing. So like my best mate lives in New Zealand. So I travel over there a fair bit or used to before um, the last year. Um, and it's for just general, like it's an amazing, like the people are amazing over there and it's a beautiful country. But from a surf point of view, it's very much that um, like waves breaking with like cliff backdrops and farming. Like there's nothing built up to the ocean over there. So from a photographic point of view, it's, um, yeah, it's incredible. It's kind of like a little bit, maybe like what you'd think when you see some of the photos of like, you know, Iceland and Norway kind of waves, which just like cliffs up to the ocean. Like there's a lot of that in New Zealand. And yeah, it's really cool. Yes, I, I, I too uh, love New Zealand and Australia. I've not been to, to uh, Bali yet, but uh, all those locations are amazing. Where is somewhere you've not been that you would uh, like to go? Um, pro like probably Chopu, like as far as like surf photography, you know what I mean? It's at the top of like lots of people's lists, but um, I, just, I just think that that, it would just be insane to like see that way breaking like in person and um like being in one of the boats you know in that channel would be incredible um from a traveling point of view um definitely like that kind of like iceland norway like that kind of like area i'd love to go and do even just from a like landscape kind of like point of view as well it's just definitely an area of the world that um like really interests me um but yeah, that. and then maybe just like back to a few places. Like we've been to pretty much like any country you can kind of name in um, Asia. Like we spent a year literally just backpacking around everywhere. Um, but to go back, like we trekked to um, base camp in Everest. So going back and like trekking in Nepal, like in the mountains, that kind of thing. Like there's so many other spots to do. So going back to some of those places would be amazing as well. Incredible. So incredible. What is a, um, what is a solid piece of evidence you give to uh, the youth 
or to uh, those young at heart that might be in a rut? What is what is your uh, your your number one piece of advice? Yeah, good question. Um, I don't. I mean, I think it's just around like, yeah, I don't know exactly how to describe. It. My, like for for my journey, I think it's just surrounding yourself with like you know positive like. I don't know, positive messaging or positive, like positive mind training, like in whatever form it is. Like it, there's like that whole saying of like, you know, it's who, like who you surround yourself with, but not everyone necessarily has that opportunity in their like physical space. You know what I mean? You mightn't have like five or 10 people around you that are going to like necessarily lift you up and inspire you. Hopefully you do. But if not, then you can still do that through like education, through um, like YouTube interviews, through books, through whatever it may be. But I've just been like very constant at, kind of like or any kind of like mindset study just really diving like deep into it and just kind of learning different processes of like you know ways to ways to think differently ways to not get like um i don't know i suppose it's like not not blaming outside circumstances and how to like not kind of like get in that rut and think that you have no control over it you know what i mean because once you kind of learn different techniques whether it be just from as simple as like meditation through to like other things that you can do. Um, once you get to the point where you understand that essentially you're completely in control of your own happiness, depending on like whatever's going on in your life, then um, that's when you can get out of like, you know, any of those ruts for a better purpose. But, um, but yeah, and it's like, I guess the starting point for that is really just getting the education on it. Cause there's a bunch of tools and techniques and some of it's just hearing the way different people talk about things and hearing people's like different, perspectives on stuff um can be the way that can start to like trigger things like in your own mind um but yeah you definitely don't want to be if you're already in a space you definitely don't want to be um fueling that through um people who think the same thing and it may be like getting you deeper into that hole you know what i mean it's definitely finding like an alternative for sure is that sort of yes absolutely and uh to build upon that you've mentioned uh meditation and mindfulness uh, a few times throughout yeah. this interview uh, can you tell us a little bit of, of, of more about that and how you incorporate that into your daily life? What is, uh, how does that work with you personally in, in your schedule? Yeah, hundred percent. So like every morning um, I wake up um, like earlier than I need to do whatever I'm going to do, whether I'm like going to the beach like or not, but I always wake up early. Um, I like love coffee. So like, whether it's like the best thing to do or not, literally the second I wake up, whether it's 4am or 6am, like I'll like, put the jug on and have like coffee is like the first thing that I have like in the morning, maybe after a glass of water. Um, but yeah, like my morning routine thing that I call just like a gratitude coffee. So like, I'll like literally sit down like in the dark in my house cause no one else is up and just like have my coffee, but just be like super to start thinking of like, you know, things that I might be grateful for things that have happened, you know, either recently or even just like looking around my house and just being grateful for the things that are there and just try and really, generate like into this kind of like positive mindset and just start to think about you know what's happening in the day ahead and like especially like if I've got um like jobs coming up like if I've got a a shoot for a, a business or something like a lot of the time like even still to this day that's super like anxiety driving like all the time when you're about to go and do a shoot like one thing with when you're doing photography is you only get like one go at something you know what I mean so it's like that can bring up a lot of anxiousness so it's just sitting there and just kind of then thinking oh you know how grateful I am that I even get to do this like five years ago I was like sitting sitting in an office like selling airtime for a you know like a radio station and like now I literally get to go out and take photos for people's businesses and people are asking me to do that you know what I mean so there's a lot of like 
gratitude to be taken from that. So that's literally how I start like every day. Um, meditation, I try to do as much as possible, whether that's just like an, another like, you know, 10 minute meditation after that in the morning or whether it's in the evening. Um, like it's like my routine's like not perfect, but if, like on an ideal day, I'll um, like maybe like go to the gym and then in the afternoon I'll, have, we've got a sauna, like not a full decked out one, but we've got like the sauna lights and everything in the house, like an infrared sauna. So I'll have like an infrared sauna um, and then go and do like a sort of a wind down like meditation, like after that, like before, like the evening. Um, and yeah, like sleep's a massive one. Like I literally go to bed at like 8, 30, 9 o'clock, like every night, like I'm not like late night at all because I'm getting up like early in the morning. So that's like a massive one as well. Um, yeah, so they're kind of the main ones. And then just the, the self-education, just like, you know, like everything I, there's my, like I literally just got this book the other day. It's called like the mind body prescription. It's like, you know, basically all about any pain that exists in your body is all something to do with like something that you haven't like dealt with, like in your mind, you know what I mean? And it just comes out externally, like as pain in your body. So it's just like everything that, you know, that's just sort of, yeah. If I can get into that place of like, you know, like a good mindset, then you just feel, you know, you feel good about stuff. And I think that helps you in your work as well. And all the stuff you were talking about before about like judging your own photos or judging your own work. I think like the more that you can just do this work in your mindset, you just feel comfortable in your own space. And it's like, you know, then my photos aren't for anyone but me. So therefore there's no, there's no judgment that kind of comes with them. You know what I mean? But it took some time obviously to get into that space. That's been like over time, like even just the way you shoot, um, photos and like developing either a style or the concept of developing not a style you know what I mean there's so much stuff in social media now that people think oh this is the this is the like modern way to shoot or this is how I shoot or this is how this person's shooting so I should try and like emulate that like I guess even just getting into a state of being comfortable to go you know what no this is just what I do and I'm comfortable with it and this makes me happy and just being good with that is um a process of like all of these other things like coming together it doesn't just happen by saying it it's like all of this like mental work that goes along with it, it just you know gets you into that space that's what i think anyway so yeah so, and i'm super lucky like my my wife's a like a meditation um teacher uh, like a reiki healer uh, you know like wellness coach so um yeah i've got a lot of advice and like books along the way from from her as well so it's not all just me <laughs> so so we have uh gratitude your meditation practice uh you mm -hmm. mentioned the, the gym um yeah what what there do you enjoy doing as far as a uh, a workout and does that relate at all to your photography whether it be um you know your ability to focus i'm sure that comes more from the mindfulness but maybe you know mm -hmm. swimming factor um are, are you a swimmer also uh tell us a little bit more about that yeah cool so i mean i've always like my whole childhood i was always like completely like sport based so as i said like i never had any reason to get into photography like my whole youth was just like it was mainly like soccer but it was just like every you know like every afternoon every weekend so I like I always played sport like when I was younger so that concept of just wellness through fitness has always sort of been there um but then yeah as you get older like you stop doing that I started traveling got into photography and so like there's always I, I think until I started researching it I probably didn't really relate the um like concept of like exercise to mental well-being like but then over the last few years once again just through different research that keeps coming up like it doesn't matter who you see like interviews with there's people that are like 
you know, I've started like big companies or have been a success in a completely different area. And then a lot of the stuff that comes back is like, I have a regular exercise program. I have a regular, you know, whatever it is. Um, and for a while there, I wasn't really huge. I don't really love going to the, or I didn't really love going to the gym. Um, but yeah, probably about a year ago now, a mate of mine, like who loves it, he just like took me down. He's like, let's just get, get you into it. And he kind of like trained me for like a little while. And now I just love it and get into it. So I'll go, you know, like five mornings a week. Um, and it's just, it's so much more about like routine than like, it's not anything about aesthetics or anything. It's just being able to get up, go, um, you do the workout, like you feel better afterwards, like for doing it like all the time, even if you don't feel like doing it. Um, and so much of it is that, is that thing, which is coming back to like the mental stuff is it's just about the, every time you can do something that you maybe either don't want to do, like each time you go and do that, then you just build more credibility with yourself. So like, you know, every time you're like, I don't feel like doing it today, but I'm going to go and do it anyway. And then you come home and you're kind of like, oh yeah, you know what? I did do it. I feel good. And the more and more you do those little things, the more you start to feel like self-confident about like other areas in your life because you're like, you know, I know I can, I can do this. So yeah, that's probably the main part of it. And I just know through research that it's just good for you mentally. As far as swimming, my swimming, um, I don't train for swimming. Swimming is just when I go in the water, I just use that as my exercise for the day. So if I, if I'm going to go for a swim, then I probably won't go for the gym, the gym that day because I've just swum around in the ocean for a few hours. So that's usually pretty buggered by the end of it. Um, so yeah, I'll just pick whatever. Some days I don't want to go to the gym. I'll just go out in the backyard and just, you know, do a hundred burpees until I fall over and, you know, that'll do kind of thing. So um, it's just about doing something. I love it. So many great pieces of, of advice here uh, you delivered to us. Um, before I let you go, let's go uh, 10,000 feet up. Um, what is the meaning of life? You know, you're, you're, you're there at the end of life. You're looking back. Um, uh, you've given us such great wisdom. Um, give us a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's like, it's obviously like, it's such a big question, but yeah, it just has to be like happiness and contentment, right? Whatever that means, um, whatever that means for you. Um, and that comes through various stages. Like, so for me, for example, clearly there was something within me and also like, my wife that was like we couldn't just be doing the the regular everyday job kind of thing you know what I mean um like we've made the decision not to have children as an example right so like our life is then fundamentally different to like a whole bunch of people so then we made a decision early on we're just like well if we're not gonna have kids then we don't want to live a day-to-day -day, like get a house but you know get a mortgage and just live that life which sometimes you have to do when you've got those responsibilities like literally the only thing we have is like our dog Audrey that you've met that you know what I mean? <laughs> and our um Karen's parents love looking after her so that's not really like an issue um so then after that it just becomes okay well then if we've created that situation then what are all of the things that you're able to do that you want to go and do and um for us it's just really been about that so like even like starting our businesses it's like okay well we both had very good stable jobs but we're just going to take that risk and like start our businesses and most people we no thought that we were crazy like most like significantly our parents <laughs> were crazy like doing it um but it's working out right you know what i mean and then, like the next thing is like oh we want to go and like live in bali so we'll go and do it and everyone's like oh you're gonna go and live in bali you just start your business is like going really well like why are you gonna like give that up and like go and travel overseas and it's like so i think for us it's just being true to ourselves that all of these inner things that we have that we want to go and do is like well let's just create them and make them happen and like, you know, I, I like the idea of like someone kind of going, oh, you know, I'd love to do that, but blah, blah, blah. And it's like our whole 
like life is like about taking that butt out of it and going, you know what? No, we're going to actually, we're actually going to do it and like kind of make it happen. So um, yeah, at the end of the day, I suppose by doing all of that stuff, then hopefully down the line, that brings a sense of fulfillment. It brings a sense of that we've had a life of like adventure. We've had a life where we've made, created things that maybe we didn't think possible or other people didn't think were possible. Um, and we've turned them into something that's, that's real. Um, and yeah, hopefully at the end of the day, that'll bring a, you know, some sort of happiness and contentment that something's been happened. Yeah. I guess it's just the whole no regret thing, right? That's a bit of a cliche, but that's like a big, a big part of like what we kind of do. Like we think of something and then we're like, okay, well, we're actually going to do this. So it's not just a thought about like, you know, something we could have done. So to sum it up, they're taking the butt out of it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I've never actually, you you brought that out of me. I've never worded it that way, but that's like a huge thing. Yeah, it it really is. Because like we have those conversations all the time, even like the amount of people, I've had countless coffees with people who have like contacted me and said, oh, hey, can I just like buy you a coffee and chat to you about being a photographer, like, and how you did it. And like, they're always like really, like, I guess, disappointed by the answer, which was like, I literally was doing a really good job. I like quit it cold turkey. I left it. And they're like, oh, but you would have had like, you know, savings, right? Like you would have given yourself a year to like save up. And I'm like, no, I literally probably had $500 in the bank. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have like anything. It wasn't, there was nothing about going, like there was no safety net with like either of our businesses. It was just, this is what we want to do now. So let's do it and see if it works. Um, and so then you finish those coffees and those people are like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I couldn't do that. It's like, okay, fair enough. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it, re- it really is that. And as I said, it's not like, not everyone's in the position necessarily like to do it when you're talking about things like, you know, having families and stuff like that, you know what I mean? But like, once again, they're still choices, right? Like we've made conscious choices, like one way or the other to go by doing this, that means this. So, you know, we're going to miss out on certain things along the way, like as a result of that, but it's just, you have to make those choices and just, you know, um, yeah, be comfortable with them. So, yeah. So incredible. Um, last question. Uh, my, my daughter's off my flank. She wants to ask you the final question. Yeah. Uh, did you want to ask your question? Okay, come on in. Um, do you know Stephanie Gilmore? Speak up. Do I, kn- <laughs> do you do know I know Stephanie? Stephanie? No, I really, I wish I did. She's like, she's my favorite female surfer for sure. Um, no, I've, um, I've taken lots of photos of her. I've seen her surf a lot. Um, she's from Newcastle, is this true? No, no, she's from uh, Gold Coast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's from up the Gold Coast. But you, have, you have taken photos of her. She's pretty amazing. Is that? Yeah, I mean, I've like, yeah, I've taken like taken photos of her at her events. Like, she's kind of walked past on the beach and like said good day. There was actually one morning um, when I was down. I went down to Bell's to the comp down there. I remember my wife was just on a lay day. We we're just down like checking out the surf and her and Sally Fitzgibbons came down and just went out for a practice surf together. And they kind of came over and sort of said, g'day, because we were sitting there on a little um, blanket and everything. So yeah, she seems lovely, but yeah, I couldn't, uh, yeah, I couldn't say I know her. <laughs> but she's amazing, so that's cool. Is she your favorite surfer? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna see her in, um, which I'm excited about. So there's a there's a WSL event on in like two weeks time in Newcastle, like at Merriweather Beach, like right near my house. So she's gonna be, uh, She's going to be surfing at that. So um, hopefully I'll get to take some photos of her again in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Super incredible. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you very, very much for taking the time to talk with us and thank giving you. us all, all this incredible insight from the photography to lifestyle to 
the inspiration. Uh, it, it's been uh, an incredible talk, and I hope uh, I know I've gotten a lot out of it personally, and I hope uh, everyone who uh, watches this in the future does also. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. It's been amazing. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, um, there you have it. Scott Harrison, Newcastle, Australia. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Daily Salt. Yeah, daily underscore salt. Yeah. Yes. And um, uh, your website? It's just uh, dailysaltphotography.com.au. It's a dot .au. And, uh, I'm going to put all that in the comments section below to, to reach out. And um, Scott is also in the Global Surf Art Gallery, which uh, is sponsoring um, these, uh, these podcasts. So uh, look for them there and you'll also see them there in the, in the comments section. So um, Scott, we, we really appreciate your time again. And um, I hope Thank you have you, a great day. Uh, you know, it's uh, approaching um, the, uh, the 12 o'clock hour. I know you have lots to yep. do and uh, this was an incredible amount of time spent. So thanks again. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. Loved it. Cheers. Yeah.